Oh, oh, one more thing. Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this podcast, we'll be discussing Columbo Cries Wolf. Originally broadcast on January 20th, 1990, directed by Daryl Duke, written by William Freed Woodfield, and starring Ian Buchanan, Deirdre Hall, Alan Scarf, Mark Margolis, Rebecca Stab, David Huddleston, John Finnegan, Bruce Kirby, and, of course, uh. Peter Falk as Columbo. Each time we're joined by a special guest in this show, it's host of the Bitter Bastard Nerdcast, Tim Turner. But before we bring him on, John. Yes, sir. Please tell me, what does cologne do to women? Well, let me tell you, RJ. Uh, girly mag magnate Jerry Caesar finds himself under attack from the organization Pagan, People Against Goodness and Normalcy. <laughs> Meanwhile, crusading Reverend Jonathan Whirly launches his own attack on Caesar's salacious <laughs> bait magazine. Wait, hold on. Well, no, 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 hold on, RJ. Okay. This leads to tremendous I, trouble for the famous uh, pornographer. Yeah, we'll get to it. Whose entire print run is stolen out from under his nose. This is important. I have to do all of this. Worse yet, Whirly is revealed to be the leader of Pagan. Only the team of rookie cock, cop Pep Streebeck and his veteran Joe Friday, nephew of the famously taciturn television detective, can possibly save... Bi Yo, you know what, actually? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's the, that's the plot to the 1987 remake of Dragnet. I'm right, sorry. yes, so, yes, I thought so, yes. Let me uh, let me try again. Sure, sure. Because uh, actually, this episode follows the misadventures of smug, crime-faking, softcore porn publishing couple Sean Brantley and Diane Hunter. Romantically and professionally entangled, Brantley's Hefner-esque lifestyle puts a strain on their relationship. Making matters worse is Diane's insistence on selling the magazine to super wealthy, for some reason, dude Sir Harry Matthews, <laughs> while Sean wants to keep it in the gross, awkward family. Diane seemingly disappears one night while her chauffeur is buying fresh salmon in a crack alley. While Sean <laughs> expresses confidence that Diane's absence is solely accidental, Sir Harry Matthews puts his considerable wealth and influence behind solving what he's sure is the woman's murder. But it isn't. After enduring Sean Brantley's unwavering smile and his girlfriend Tina's outfits, I guess, <laughs> for what seems like two nonstop weeks of television, Columbo is shocked to discover that Diane is alive, and it was all a publicity stunt. But then she's not alive after that, because Sean murders her. Spoiler alert. Then she ends up in a plastic bag stuck in the wall of the constantly under-construction mansion, which Diane and Sean share, and it looks like this might have actually been a Twin Peaks prequel the whole time? Back to you, RJ. Thank you, John. Tim, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, I want to ask you, as we do all first-time guests, uh, what is your history with Columbo? How did you uh, come to Columbo, as it were? Uh, well, I, I was always into mysteries, even as a young kid, and uh, so I really watched Columbo uh, from the beginning. Uh, not the 1968 TV movie, but uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> with uh, the, the beginning episodes. And uh, I've watched them probably all about 50 times each or something. I, it's, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, not so much the '90s ones. I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah, that's with you. understandable, especially in this case. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I actually uh. really enjoyed this episode. Oh, yes. Okay, well, this is the most good 80s to have Columbo ever. It, it's good to have a, uh, I guess, divergent opinion. Because um, John, watching this thing throughout, I was thinking perhaps we were a bit hard on the Ed McBain episodes. <laughs> Perhaps, well, I, perhaps we were I, hasty I, in our judgment. 
of those episodes. We'll, uh, we'll come back to this, but I feel like this is the <sighs> Batman and Robin of Columbo episodes. It is so oh, incredible. And, no, no, I, I, you know what? I kind of, huh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I, can't I, see that. I yeah. actually start to like it. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. No, never mind. You lost me there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have I said I would have said it's the room of Columbo episodes, but that's only as far as I understand what the room is. Okay. This yeah. this thing from top to bottom, front to back, didn't like it at all. <laughs> I I uh, Laura and I we were watching this the first time through, and uh, just kind of angry at it most of the time. <laughs> I I remember uh, uh, flipping uh, the uh, colloquial bird at the television set many times. Ow throughout and especially at the end um we'll talk about that because i there was a huge problem uh with how this whole thing ended up um but yeah so this thing it's a strange episode and let's start with its pedigree in terms of the writing and directing department shall we john please uh enlighten us on that uh front a bit it is directed by Daryl Duke, who is a repeat Columbo director. Unfortunately, his other episode was 1991's Caution, Murder Can Be Hazardous to Your Health. Yes! Starring George Hamilton. And actually, there's kind of a connection here because, weirdly, there was a Morris Day in the Time song Wait, in what, Caution. Wait, one? No, no, in Murder oh. Can Be Hazardous to Your Health. It was the performance of the TV awards. Right. And it was so weird to hear an actual recognizable pop song. Oh, so yeah, to hear like uh, she drives me crazy in this at the beginning. Yeah, right. She drives okay, me crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right. And most uh, of this, and... like they play the entire song. It seems like so. <laughs> yes, they do. So that so it's weird that uh, they actually probably get royalties from this episode whenever it runs. <laughs> which is good odd. for them, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Someone's got to get I don't something think out they... of it. They don't let this run that often. No, I hope not. Uh, the writer of the episode was William Reed Woodfield, and we know him from Columbo and the Murder of a Rockstar. Which was, you know what? It was kind of fun. For its faults, it was, it was a fun, weird thing. The I'm Dabney always going to give points to Dabney Coleman. Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. The mask uh, and reveal was weird, but yeah. I have something to say about that, but we'll get to that in a moment. And okay. uh, Columbo, Columbo goes to the guillotine, being his other one. Which was all right, too. Which was not was terrible, okay. especially for Nin- for these nineties ones. It was yeah. it was not bad. Better than say, uh, Sex and the Murder Detective or something like that. It was not terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there we go. That's the pedigree. Unfortunately, these are not setting a low bar. Yeah, <laughs> setting the low bar. <clears throat> so you go. All right. So that's that's where we're starting at with this thing. And um, <laughs> RJ hating it. Well, thing is, coming into this, I had high hopes because you've got Ian Buchanan, uh, who I love mm. from its Gary Shandling show in Twin Peaks, uh, referenced in your like uh, summary there. Uh, right. David Huddleston is in here as the mayor of Los Angeles for crying out loud. Big old freaking Lebowski's in this. Yeah. Exactly, he's in this. Um, you've got uh, Bruce Kirby has a cameo as presumably mm-hmm. wherever he is in the department. Like uh, 1990, uh, uh, Sergeant Kramer in the 70s. Hopefully, he's gone up quite a bit. He's in this thing, and also John Finnegan is the chief of police. Mm-hmm. John Finnegan, a longtime Columbo uh, guest star, was in the very last episode of Columbo. Uh, always in there. Always a pleasant thing to see. All these things came into it in just reading the plot of it, uh, the summary. You think this is going to be maybe a good fun thing, and it turns out, uh, no. 
Yeah. I, well, I, I was pretty uh, pleased that there was. I think it's the only episode that that Duffy and Kramer appear together. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, the only here. scene they share together. Yeah, and, um, and I mean, it's but this thing, I I don't know where to start with this. Like, do we start talking about so the uh, so the porno mag that? Well, actually, uh, do you, we can talk about like the superstructure and start getting atomic because well, actually we should this talk. Is, I mean, we're talking about it on the day that Hugh Hefner died. Right. We're right. talking about an episode that really, really built on a very weird sort of version of Playboy having a mansion versus uh, this thing they built, the chateau they built up for this. And it's supposed to be Playboy, but it's horribly designed and everything else. And it's just, yeah, so it's, it's strange to be talking about it the exact day that the guy they're ripping off actually uh passed so yeah yep yeah so <laughs> i hope anyone wants to go from that but yeah whatever i think we covered that uh i was actually thinking about discussing the structure of the episode and then we can narrow in because it's different from almost every other columbo right although we we talked in chat about one similarity to the last episode we discussed which was oh, right, ransom yes. for a dead man where that was, uh, there had been a murder committed and a kidnapping faked to hide the murder. But in this episode, there's a faked murder that hides kind of a kidnapping, not yeah, a super it does. kidnapping. Yeah. Right. So it, it was interesting to have that difference. As, as you said, it's like she kind of kidnapped herself to try to rip off mm-hmm. the British publishing magnet to try to like drive up the price of the magazine and whatnot. Yep. And I don't, it, it's, it's just really strange to have this thing where it's so aimed at trying to make Columbo look the fool, which is such a weird thing that kind of threw me off, too, I guess. Yeah. See, I, I felt that it was more of a... Uh, they had a little bit of a retread of Blueprint for Murder with the... Uh, you know, you don't, you don't know if uh, oh, he's that's murdered good, her or yeah. not. Okay, they never show point. it, and then he does the dig everything up. Mm. And so then, of course, it makes Columbo look like an idiot because they're not going to let him go after him now that he's dug up the entire estate and then boom kills her that's interesting i didn't even consider i didn't even think of that episode watching this that's actually that's a really good point yes yeah it is yeah there are some kind of yes parallels to that slightly and john would this not be a perfect episode for sexy dad columbo Actually, he's he's super shy, Dad, in this episode. Right, yeah, because there's uh, a whole bunch of, like he, the, the long-standing Columbo thing of him being kind of embarrassed around nudity and sexuality. They really do that here. Well, except for the one where he's just like sitting by the pool, smoking a cigar, looking at a lady's butt. But yeah, aside from that, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> aside from that, they do it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's he's still young enough that I think he could do Sexy Dad. I think it was, you know, a little more prevalent back in the in the 70s when he was a younger man. Uh, but I don't know that I, I saw it happening here. It really is Shy Dad, for the most part. Yeah, Shy, that's a great way to put it. Yes, yes. Sexually Shy Dad is what it is. Yes. Well, he never he's never looked more dad-like than getting out of that pond with his giant waders. <laughs> I know the waders! <laughs> yes. That was so hot! There the will whole be... sequence to sax, to a saxophone solo. Oh, the saxophone! Oh, yes. Digging up! The great, the digging great porn up. sax. Yeah, dig, yes, that's what it was. <laughs> they were digging up the, the, uh, the grounds of the chateau to the, yeah, the sound of a porn saxophone. 
Yeah, my favorite see. was him looking in the chimney. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> what? Why? Yes, he's going to see that the lady buried the chimney. That <laughs> it's, was... like, it's like a three-story chimney he's looking down. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Really, you oh, guys you know, I... thought this was fine? Here's you know what? Let's get to that. It, let, yeah. let, both of you. Both Actually, of you. Br- convince uh, me. Yeah, let, convince let's me. him go first, and then yes. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a run at convince it. Convince me uh, as to why this was not one of the worst episodes of Columbo I've ever seen in my life. Please tell uh, me. Enlighten me. Okay. Well, there was so many little elements in it that I really liked. I liked the, the callback to Danger, uh, Dagger of the Mind. Yes, that was, that was interesting. Yes, uh, I thought that was a cheap thing, though. I thought that, that undercut it for me. But yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I, I liked the plot structure, because I remember when I first saw it, I was really surprised that she wasn't dead. Oh, okay. I was very surprised, and it's it's the only one where the murder happens literally in the last eight minutes. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But yeah, the problem yeah, I, I have. I, but the problem I have with that is, and, 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 uh, my wife Laura, she pointed this out: the fact that Columbo probably knew that was going to happen, and throughout the entirety of this series, <clears throat> Columbo gets very angry and frustrated when there is a murder. That didn't have to happen, and this one didn't have to happen. You think Columbo kind of would have known this was going to happen, and he it just happens, and then at the end, it's like, oh hey, here we go, I revealed it. There we go. There she's uh, wrapped in plastic <laughs> in the uh, floorboards, in the kit, in the bathroom, or whatever. So that seemed a bit, I don't know. I did, that that was very frustrating to me. Well, I, I'll also admit that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan, so, you know, him being Richard Tremaine of Horn's Department Store yes, I was, was a big deal that. for me. Yes. Um, yeah. And this was yeah. the same time he was on Twin Peaks. Right. So, yeah. Um, and also. Well, this would have been right after, isn't it? Uh, oh, no, it's actually right before. Because oh, this oh, right, is January 1990. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, he, did, he did a bunch of, like, uh, soap opera stuff before this. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a self-confessed Days of Our Lives fan, so... (laughs) Oh, right, there you go, yeah, yeah, okay. Deidre Hall was in it, and um, her second Columbo appearance, and, um, you know, at at the beginning of it, I started wondering, it's like, if she's missing, it's like, did Stefano Demira kidnap her, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah... I, there's there's so many elements to me to me that were so much fun. I I thought that that uh, Ian Buchanan was pro, po, quite possibly the biggest douchebag murderer they ever had. <laughs> oh yeah, with, no, with yeah, that mm. shit eating grin and his uh, pastel Seinfeld puffy shirts, where That's he what... literally looked like he was shrinking because they were so huge. That's one of my I, notes I, here I, says sorry. he. Lo- one of my notes here says he looks like a villain from the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy movie. <laughs> With his weird face and his two-way wrist text communicator and his yes! giant yeah. oh my <laughs> little God, head, exactly yes, <laughs> little head. Oh, but the wrist thing, yes, of course. The the uh, the wrist communicators, the wrist um, beepers, which um, pretty much so you could tell the prop department <laughs> just put paper mm-hmm. in there. Like it was so obvious <laughs> that there was just like pieces of paper they jammed in there to look like the messages. Like, yeah, but what oh, are they going to do? Like, actually build the technology? Yeah. <laughs> or I don't know, or make it look a little closer somehow. Yeah. But it looked, you could see the crinkles. I mean, it was not good. It was weird. <laughs> those those risk communicators are 
further proof that rich people have no taste because oh yeah he, he describes them as looking much more attractive than a beeper i'm like no uh, no 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 you'd rather have the thing you pull off of your belt and yeah, look at yes and if they can make a beeper that small just like put it on your wallet or something but right yeah anyway rich people have no I, taste. you know i i will admit the ending is a yeah, love it hate, hate it hate it thing for me uh oh. because i love the idea of how he f- he finds the body i really like that but i will admit the gotcha thing uh, just grates on me it reminds me of the uh, in uh, murder smoke and mirrors where he turned into a ringmaster and i wanted to punch my tv <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah 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 i get you yeah but i think it's i kind of like well i see that i kind of like the gotcha thing a little bit him dialing the number yeah, I like that. And then theory. waiting, and then it rings like, what? Oh, yeah, let's rip this uh, this wallboard down. And then she's just there, zipped up in her... Pla- yeah, she's dead, wrapped in plastic thing, and she's just <laughs> there. And I, just, I don't like the fact that it was a murder that Columbo probably could have seen coming and didn't do anything about it. Although, like, to me, although, I didn't what like would that. he do, though, really? I mean, I, 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 know, don't, the... I don't know. To me, it just it, it <clears> very <throat> much went against uh, things that you know about the character from the past, you know, like 20, 30 years before this. That, yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of bugged me. I don't know. It was weird. But, I mean, also, it would just seem like a slight. I guess the thing that bugs me is, yeah, they did like a thing is trying to shake up the structure of the, of uh, Columbo, but it was just such a weird ham-fisted way to do it. I mean, to the point where they actually shot fake flashbacks you didn't need or fake reenactments you didn't need that were kind of a cheat mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, like, <clears throat> oh, well, maybe it happened this way. There's somebody hiding in the limo who might have killed her. And, like, yeah, they actually you see that visually, which the show doesn't usually do that. Usually the show, it's like, no, you're seeing what happens from this to this to this to this, and then you figure out how he knows how that happened or figures that happened. Whereas this, they were feeding you a lot of false information they don't usually do in the show. Yeah, see, I kind of like that, the the unreliable narrator. And it reminded me kind of of um, Murder on the Orient Express, where they uh, Poirot lays out a whole bunch of different scenarios and they show it. Hmm. Um, and so, I mean, in that regard, I, I really, I, I liked it because it was unique. I guess if they had done that maybe one or two other times, this for the show, I would have liked it more, but this is like, eh, I don't know. It's strange. Yeah. It's odd. Now, now maybe this will help. Okay. Uh, for about the first 20 minutes, Kate and I hated this. Okay. <clears throat> but, and a large part of it was we did not find Ian Buchanan... And I know he wasn't supposed to be, but we could not find him charming oh, really? or charming or charmingly bad. And that's what we wanted. We wanted this to be really we wanted this to be so bad because it really did start so bad yes. that it was going to be hilarious. We wanted it to be the room or be Batman and Robin. But something happened at 20 minutes in where all of a sudden it just tipped the scales. Well, what, what was that, though? I mean, what <clears> I really don't know. Cause I, I remember the scene with. Buchanan and Falk, where they the first time they're sharing a room together, right after he uh, 
Columbo interrupts the the incredibly chaste, sexless photo shoot. Yes, exactly. Which is weird. It's Jesus, like, wait, it was like what? somebody's yearbook photo. Fo- like if you took yes. yearbook photos at a nudist colony, that's right. what the whole setup would have felt like. It's like it's like uh, so so when I I, I got like uh, senior photos taken in high school there, uh, the photographer I had just seen the player and I liked it and I said yeah see movies at least oh I saw player and the, the the photographer started telling me about like other Robert Altman films I should see. That was more wow. sexual than this. <laughs> I, I did like, like his Oh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. You should see McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Oh, Bruce. <laughs> oh, Rooster. Uh, no, uh, Brewster McCloud. You should see that. Like, okay, sure, whatever. Let me put on my stupid you tie really, that has books on it. Yeah. <laughs> you really, you really should see McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I know. I still have not. Or actually, so good. Brewster McCloud. I would like to see also because that sounds like a yeah. weird freaking thing. So that one yeah. I've not seen. So. Oh yeah, he lives. Wait, he lives like the uh, the ref. Hey. Uh, reviewers on iTunes, you're going to love this. Hey, so he lives on the, uh, the rafters <laughs> of the Astrodome, right? And has wings or yeah. something like that? Yeah. And yeah, it's nuts. What's his favorite hot dog, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> let's discuss that you for 20 what? minutes. Let's talk about Go that. For it. Let's, let's talk about the over of um, Robert Altman for a while. You know, I did not, I was not a huge fan of Prairie Own Companion. You can kind of see where Paul Thomas Anderson was directing things more than, sorry, what? Oh, Columbo, right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what ha- there's that scene where he's being grilled in the room right after Columbus interrupted the photo shoot, and he's just got that rictus of a grin on, which, right. by the way, at some point I wrote, my note for that scene is, and I quote, motherfucker look a Leland Palmer. <laughs> oh, interesting. He kind of does. Oh, um, wow. See, I, I thought okay. he got hit with Smilex. <laughs> okay. Oh, that Palmer thing. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, actually, this might veer off into something that we ta- I mentioned on Twitter, and I, I want to do with, like, some drama here. But uh, <laughs> something happened where all of a sudden it felt like Buchanan was going over the top a little, and that's what we wanted. Oh, and yes. once that no, happened. it does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? I think I know what it was. What? I think I know what turned us. I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> So before he interrupts the uh, the photo shoot, you get Columbo driving up through the estate, and there's all these llamas walking around, or alpacas, I think, actually. Right. Right? And then I think there were some cows, and then there's a bunch of, of nymphs in swimsuits just sort of frolicking. Oh, amongst the animals, yes. Yeah, amongst the animals. It's very strange. Though. Yeah, yeah, and they they could not more clearly be underlining this metaphor of see the girls are treated like livestock, <laughs> yeah. and I was just like, it's very what? subtle, yeah, super. What subtle. a fucking first year of film school kind of <laughs> metaphor. That's hilarious. And then it was over. And then by the time we get, and then I'm oh, sorry, no, it's just by the time we get to the chained down reindeers, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is terrifying. That's what a Dracula house has. <laughs> well, I mean, those are, there's just a weird thing. She's like, walking the, the big, the big oh, search God. scene where Columbo is like going through with the cops and everything. Yeah. Columbo's just like, walking around the grounds in the house with a giant set of blueprints, which, oh, sure, that's how that would work. And he, <laughs> he barges into some room, and it's just like eight women in lingerie in panties. Like, oh, sorry, because that's what would happen to this place, and he has to stumble back out. It's just, it's so strange. Well, that's the weird thing, actually. If I remember that scene right, almost every woman was actually just wearing full dress. Except, except one in the one. back. 
Right. Who only had who didn't have pants on. Yeah. But it sounds I like, oh, so gosh. Oh, hold on. But yeah, we got to liking this for the camp value. And it actually illuminated to me, I think, one of the big differences between the 70s and 90s Columbo, among the millions of differences. I, I have a Which, very low tolerance for camp these days. As I get older, I feel like I'm like, eh, I just want something good. I don't want campiness for its own sake. I kind of, I'm getting more into it as I get older because I'm not not the serious. You know how when you're young, you're serious about everything. You know, come out of college and you're just like, well, now I'm an adult, and you treat. Yeah. Now that I'm, now that I'm almost seventy. <laughs> thank you uh, I don't need people believing that uh, I just I feel like camp is a lot more fun. it might also be that I'm living in Seattle now and if you don't like camp or arch then you are are pretty much out of luck for entertainment up here well see I'm I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that though because like uh, growing up well I was in like uh, college like 20s and 30s and whatnot it was campy bad shitty movies and stuff like that and I got to the point where I'm like, I, no, I just want to see something that's well-constructed and good. It's not even a seriousness thing. It's like, no, I want to see something that's consistent and good, that there's some thought put into it, and not just weird, sloppy, strange stuff. And that seems like that's what this was. Well, I like, think that's actually kind of something that happens to the 90s episodes across the board, hmm. is that they are really arch, and they're very fabricated. Uh, and, like, the solutions in particular are are rife with flam. Buoyance? That's not right. No, I think I no, say, no, I think you're close. Though. I was about no, to no, say no. Flam- I, think that's... I was about to say flamboyancy, which is not the right word. That's nah, fine, good enough. But I think you're right. The thought, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no I think you're right. Yeah, so it's yeah. uh they're really flamboyant, and so you need a killer or you need an actor who's going to go over the top. And I think that's why we really liked, you know, the Brenda Vaccaro episode was not good, but we all liked Brenda Vaccaro in it, and she really was playing it big. William Shatner, right. Butterfly and Shades of Grey is maybe uh, it's definitely in our top two or three of '90s episodes. Yes, yeah. oh, definitely, yeah. You know, play that really over the top. That works beautifully, and they needed to do that more often. But so many of the actors actually played it kind of straight, and that was, I think, the death of a lot of '90s episodes, including this one. Hmm. And that did lead it did, did lead me to figure out. Uh, Kate was actually the one who mentioned this, but we figured out the best possible 90s killer that never happened and it's because of ian buchanan's passing uh similarity to tim curry oh he would oh, have been wonderful jeez yeah. yeah that would have been good especially yep, tim back curry. then yep he versus would have been a good one yeah a la yeah, yeah. clue a la the shadow tim curry um, yep 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 oh man i was, I was always a big jeez, proponent for kelsey Grammer. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. See, I mean, no, you that's... know, Frazier versus Columbo. Come on, yeah, that would have been good. No, he would have also been very good. But I think, yeah, Tim Curry. Oh, jeez, yeah, that guy would have been very, very, very good in one of these. Tim, films. I'm, Tim, I'm just thinking of uh, of just one more thing. I'm listening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that that episode's definitely uh, what I call made for TV sexy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, because, well, I mean, there's a weird thing, too. It's just the, assuming that a magazine, all of it is obviously based on Playboy, but that a magazine called Bachelor's World would be something that would be popular, really? And the design that they show you of the magazine 
is just god awful. Even like from the basics of they do the whole thing of the uh, tracking camera. Uh, the ladies by the pool is like you hear. The, oh yeah, you hear the shutter snap, and they show you like here's a photo. Like no, it's not a photo of that person in that location at all. Here's a photo. <laughs> no, it's not a photo of that person. Like that gets annoying and frustrating. I don't know why they made that choice. But then when you actually see the design of the magazine, the covers and the photos and layouts, Ugh. that gets frustrating and awful. It's like no one would buy this thing. This magazine would not be popular because it's just terrible from what they show you. And if you like that tracking shot, don't worry. They're going to reuse it later. <laughs> yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> In reverse order. They, they, right, they reverse it. Oh, yes. Yep, yep, they yep, go yep. backwards, but the women do the exact same poses. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, they know what works. I know, but it, but uh, actually, I mean, to, the, it, it, to their credit, it's a very diverse magazine. That's yeah. good. They, have they a had lot one of black di- girl, one Asian girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had for, one this, for this time, though, I mean, it's... <laughs> no, I mean, for this time, though, I was surprised they even oh, yeah. did that. They even made that attempt at it. Well, it we wasn't just before. It wasn't just a bunch of blonde Barbie-looking ladies. Like, yeah. the fact that they actually did that, I was shocked that they even tried doing that at all. So, yes, we have talked in the past about, you know, it's a Columbo is a fairly white program. You don't get a lot of prominent non-white characters. So it it was interesting to see more than one ethnicity on. Exactly. Yeah. I was shocked that that was the case. The the, the lady who was supposed to be a Native American covering herself up like, what's a man in the raincoat doing here? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. uh, he, He gives her great direction when she's posing. Keep saying, lower your hands. Lower your hands. <laughs> yes. Lower your hands. He says it four times. It's like, yeah. how much lower are they going to go? And also, you think <laughs> this magazine, that guy, like, you wouldn't need to do that, given what it is. Like, the hands would already be lowered. But it's, yeah, <laughs> 8 or 9 o'clock on a Sunday night on ABC in 1990. Yes, you would need to make it kind of more lascivious and, yeah, whatever. But should we, t- uh, so I brought up a little bit, uh, John, should we talk about the graphic design of this yeah, yeah. RJ, since RJ and I both have a lot of graphic design experience, I think this might have been extra painful for us. Oh, God, it looked terrible. The logo, <laughs> the logo for Bachelor's World. Yeah, well, no, the, that's the a name. Ni- that's a, the name that's of the magazine. Nice... Is a, the name is a terrible name for this kind of magazine, for starters. Bait, yes. bait from um, Dragnet. Uh, Dragnet is much better than Bachelor's World. And then when you actually see... <laughs> Like the logo, the way it's designed, the covers, they're terrible. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's awful. Nice use of Mistral and nice use of beige. Oh, <laughs> God. The logo looks like the uh, the logo for a 90s TGIF sitcom. It does. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. It's ABC sitcom font. Yes. It, looks like a, it looks like a hairstylist now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes. Brenda's, you know. It it's so strange, and I think it's yeah, like but, it should be something you should hang on to. But if you're going to like hang your entire episode around this thing, this world, you should at least make some sort of effort to make it look slightly realistic. But I know there's budgetary concerns, but it does not cost a lot of money to get a proper font and to typeset things well. Just to ask well, someone it. how it should look better. 
That's it. It takes no money at all to take the logo and put it up in the actual masthead. Oh, right, yes, actually. <laughs> As opposed yes. at the bottom yes. of the magazine, right. which apparently yes. nobody has read a ma- gone to a magazine stand. Actually, where... that's even better. That's an even better. That's a that's a <laughs> ultra fair point. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes, and the barcode at the top. top. Yes. You know, the reason he did is because, you know, of course, the logo was so big, it was going over that woman's head. And he said, like, I don't he must have said MS Paint doesn't let me do layers. And then that was the end of that conversation. Yes. Uh, You must have loved the part where Deidre Hall was trying to design the the spread. Oh, my God. That thing was terrible. Where they put like these little cutouts of of, uh, like the woman with the pillow in front of her. It's it's up on our it's up on our trailer where it's like the the woman is kind of leaning over. A very bad cutout of the chateau, and it's like, oh my god! It's terrible. I'm with RJ. This sucks. All right, <laughs> I won from the I won from the uh, graphic design angle of it. Uh, it really was destroying me. <laughs> I mean, god, I don't even. I can't even begin to imagine what that spread is for because it is. Yeah, it seemed like it, it was it, supposed to be promoting. The house, which yeah, it's promoting the mansion. It was a tour yeah. of the mansion, supposedly. But but the, but the words "famous presumed... chateau" sorry look like the words "famous chateau" absolutely look like a hamburger place logo. <laughs> yes, come on, we're going out to famous chateau. chateau. We're gonna get a double cheese. Yeah, it kind of looked like the, the outside of a Hooters menu. It was the front. It was, <laughs> a, it was the front of the menu for the famous chateau. Oh, it's ghastly. Yeah, oh, it's man. and the thing is, like, I okay, so I didn't like this thing overall. Um, but uh, the, the Columbo and Falk stuff in this, I like. He's good in it. He's, oh, he's got great. some good stuff in. Uh, there's there's the, uh, the nice lot of nice little um, details uh, when the rich uh, British guy sends the helicopter for him. Columbo Love steals a bunch of steals a bunch of like uh, expensive cigars from him, which that's a great bit. He does that. <laughs> the investigative stuff with Columbo is actually quite good. Uh, the fact that he's just sticking with it and sticking with it, that's great. He watches um, uh, 40 tapes at the airport. Right. I mean, that detail is nice, but uh, it just seems like it, it, it's wasted in this vast sea of a not good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so mean, can, let, uh, me, let me ask you, RJ, how do you feel about Ian Buchanan's performance? Because I loved it. No, I liked his performance. Okay, good. I liked it. It just It's the story that it's in. It's terrible. The thing is, like, I like Ian Buchanan in this. I like Peter Falk in this. Um, Mark yeah, Margolis? Much... You better like Mark Margolis? Yes. Oh, he's fantastic, too. It's neat seeing him playing a good guy for a change. Yeah, exactly. I actually, um, I ended up really wanting Cosner to have his own series at the end of this. Like, some kind of crime-solving... <laughs> the Cosner it was so It was so weird to see him in a part like this. And just, like, this very yeah. kind of proper sort of thing. Yeah, no, I liked him in this, like, a lot. I, I liked the people in this. I liked the, the stuff they were doing. But it's the story and the direction that just completely ruined it for me. It feels like it was all just... I mean, I, I it, it's kind of uh, crystallized in having Bruce Kirby in there as sergeant or whatever his rank is, the 1990s, uh, Kramer... Um, like, oh, it, it, that's great. He's in one of these. This is the only one of the later episode, later, later era, um, Columbo's he's in, and it's wasted in this. Like, it feels like everybody's work is kind of wasting this weird sort of uh, thing that just doesn't come together for me. For some reason, he's uncredited. I don't know why. 
Yeah. It's, it's I mean, odd. you'll see him on IMDb. You know, it, right. it says Sergeant Kramer. Like but some some fan Kramer. or some user put him in, put the actual title in, but they don't say who he is. He's not in the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the credits actually were my first warning that this was not going to be great because I have a policy that if any actor whose name you recognize is playing a role that's only identified by the job, uh, that's no good. So the mayor. So, you see, so David, David Huddleston as the, the mayor. mayor. Like, yeah. Oh, that's not going to be now good. Which, that's not. I liked him in this as the mayor. Like that whole, oh, yeah. that whole odd, that odd sequence where they're walking through L.A. City Hall and the press mm-hmm. is coming after them. They have to duck into a men's room and Huddleston, God bless him, he's actually excited by the way Columbo is actually doing his job. For a moment, it's like, oh, that's a good idea, doing that fool and that guy. Like, I thought, oh, that's great. I would have loved if they had made a consistent thing of Huddleston being the mayor throughout all of the 90s Columbos. That would have been, been great. great. Yeah, he plays that role like he's got a lead role. Yeah, no, he's he's doing it. He's he's, he's actually putting put the work in. It's good. I love it. And the chief, he, the, he's doing a great job as that, too. Like, if the two of them could have kept playing those characters and like have some sort of through line uh, for these Columbo nineties deals. That would have been so much fun, but it just, but along one that, time along and, that line, yeah, I actually was annoyed by that scene. I, I wrote that really? scene off as the, there's one in every nineties episode where a bunch of nice people approve of Columbo. Cause I guess they're talking to that nostalgia thing and you know, they don't want to have everybody treat them like a dick. Right. But later when, <laughs> Columbo turns out to have been fooled after spending a shit ton of money yeah. uh, on trying to find the killer. I thought that was going to come back around to Huddleston. I thought we were going to see him again for a dressing down, and it never comes up again. No, yeah. So I, that that led me to the conclusion that this episode was not written with a lot of wit. Of course, there, God no. Well, you'd seen the previous like uh, fifty odd minutes of it, or uh, an hour and a half of it. So yeah, of course not. Well, actually, the the time I realized it was when Columbo was talking to Sir Walter Raleigh or whatever his name was. <laughs> uh, I know, really bad form to have forgotten. Uh, Sir Harry Matthews. Yeah, you're fine. And he's you're he fine. talks about Chief Inspector Dirk, and then he says, uh, "That's Scotland Yard. It's in England." And Harry Matthews, who's a knight, obviously, and he's got a British accent, he says, I know. And I thought to myself, a better writer would have let him say something clever and not, you know, overdoing it, but just something like, yes, I've been. Right, yeah. Versus, yes, I know. That's a small thing, but it really stood out because it should not have been missed. It's, It's such a light piece of dialogue. I don't know why you wouldn't give it a little little bit of sni- uh, snideness to it. He, he was too busy uh, being able to insert Lieutenant in it over <laughs> and over again. Yes. Yep. So I, I've got a question for you about Harry Matthews. Uh, when he sends the helicopter for Columbo, he's in L.A. Yes. Now, wasn't wasn't uh, Diane Hunter going to England to visit him? Right, yeah, but he's such a high-powered fella. He had come back... He came back immediately when she didn't show up, like an hour later. <laughs> I mean, Probably, I think so. It's yeah. like the next day, right? Yeah. I think so. I think that simply he's like rich enough. He came back because he was that concerned about it. Sure. And took like <laughs> I think. Well, we we sold the freaking uh, Concord back then, right? Nineteen ninety. Yeah, probably. Yes, we had some. So, 
Oh, he's a rich Maybe. guy, so he probably yeah. had access to teleportation stuff, so whatever. <laughs> you know, I like the bathroom scene, and I'll tell you why, because it's one of the few times with the cops... I'm going to take, uh, uh, take all of that out of context. <laughs> I like the bathroom scene, it's one of the few times with cops, but anyway, yes, I... <laughs> Well, usually, especially in the 90s one, every time somebody complains to the cops, the cops get all over Columbo's case like he's a bumbler. Never mind the fact that he's closed numerous murder cases. But this is the first time I remember them actually going, yeah, he's because uh, Finnegan says he's one of our right. best men. Yes. Yeah. I, I was surprised. And that he should learn that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even though probably everyone he arrested got off. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Yes. That's <laughs> Hopefully we'll have a follow-up uh, show about that. But yes, Finnegan is, yes. Finnegan's grateful because you know he he used to just be a bartender at Barney's Beanery, and now <laughs> right, chief, yes, exactly, chief of police, right, yes, really worked out for him. So uh, how about the fact that uh, Johnny Carson comes up in this thing over and over again yes. as someone who can just completely crush the public relations <laughs> of the LAPD and the city itself? It's like two or three times that Johnny Carson comes up like. Oh, I hope this doesn't happen to Johnny Carson monologue. Like, okay, I <laughs> don't think the rest think of America that... would care, but all right. Let's be timely. They I were think that's so the, uh, what, the uh, second time they've mentioned him since, uh, what, Forgotten Lady? When they were the, the, oh, the, watching the... him in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, watching him in the kitchen. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The help. That's right. Good riff. Ah, nice. Yeah, that was, what, Carson's last year, too, I think, or next to last. Oh, was, yeah, probably... it was very, very close, yeah. yeah. They must have, have announced his... Uh... He's leaving by then. I'm sure this was done intentionally as a little acknowledgement. And also, um, they were also concerned about um, uh, uh, Columbo and the whole scandal ending up on Korean TV for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Korean yeah, TV. Can you imagine? It's like, what? No idea. Uh, right. Okay, sure. Oh, All boy. Right. That's, that's timely. <laughs> well, actually, uh, the timeliness with that, yeah. the fact that um, there are the... Uh, uh, I'm going to presume Japanese businessmen leaving uh, Sir Matthews's office when Colombo gets there, because at this time there was a weird sort of uh, mania and apprehension about uh, Japanese businessmen like buying properties in right. the U.S. Right. too, which I thought that was a weird little, uh, very reference of the time to have that in there also. So that it was weird to see that. Like I remember, like, oh right, yeah, that was all over the media. And we're like, oh, they're buying all of our buildings. So like, yeah, no, it's fine. People buy stuff. <laughs> it's fine. So so it was weird to see. So it was weird to see that very specific thing. Whereas, yeah, to see that kind of referenced in that this time capsule thing. I don't know. Oh, uh, so John, you referenced What's the uh, crack den. Yeah, we'll go back where to she gets her food. Oh, yes. the crack alley. Yeah, they Which drive into the crack horrible alley. alley. I thought for sure, like, okay, first off, if there was going to be a murder, we may as well have it here. Right. Because uh, I do like that they go looking for the shell casing. And I'm like, there's probably 40 shell casings in that. Yes. <laughs> right. Good luck, gentlemen. Right. Um, yeah, it, mean, it seems like it's, it's the back of a fanciest restaurant. Which right. are, they're implying that, and actually that scene where Golis goes in there to get her like basket of fancy salmon, the fact uh, that yeah, there Scott, is Scott, it's not domestic, right? Yeah, but the fact that uh, he's with like the the guy who actually works there, and he's like, 
oh yeah she wants a thing yeah whatever like where it was like a really nice kind of Columbo sort of without Columbo being involved but like that sort of thing where like yeah rich people are being jerks and we've got to do this crap for them pretty much I like I like that moment between uh, Margolis and the chef saying like oh, yeah that was, a, that was a good series of exchanges yeah yeah and to go with what John was saying, the guy he says, "Was that a gunshot?" He's like, "Oh yeah, you hear them here all the time." Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. At the so back of is our that fancy... not cause to worry? Yeah. No, no. It's just their their richer customers take shortcuts through that alley to get home, and then are murdered. Yeah. And then their sons go on to become avenging superheroes. Exactly. Yes. That exactly. alley alone <laughs> has produced more than one hundred and seventy Batman over the last fifty years. Yeah. No. Yeah. And all of them get like murdered their second night out. <laughs> Shot in the head. Are in, <laughs> in weird Angeles. foam costumes. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Don't make it dark, RJ. Don't make it dark. Well, you made it. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You made it dark. I'm just your, talking about shooting your, your and parents. Murder. Your parents getting killed. <laughs> and creating and, and, vigilantes. Uh, All right. I'm sorry. I took it too far. Shot, uh, resulted in pearls bouncing on the ground. Exactly. Right. Slow mo. You know, Slow-mo. I have a. I have a piece of Mark Margolis trivia that I'm not sure I want to share, but it always delights me. Oh, do. Uh, so whenever, so Mark Margolis is one of my favorite character actors. I loved him in Breaking Bad so much. Oh, yeah. That's um, a thing I, w- I didn't realize at first. I saw like, oh, what's he been in? Like, I realized who he was. Like, oh, crap. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's just such a weird, yeah, it's a weird role. But yes. uh, Mark Margolis, uh, when I see him on TV, I almost, I instinctively think, Oh, it's one blowjob, no brandy. And here's why. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. I guess you'll have to expand on that a little bit. Mark I Margolis. Mark know. Margolis was, had a speaking role in a mid-1970s feature-length porno okay. called, called The Opening of Misty Beethoven. Okay. Now, this is, this is not as famous as Deep Throat or Beyond, Behind the Green Door. Oh, obviously. Obviously. Col- of course. Whatever. <laughs> but it's a high-budget film. They shot on location in Rome, Paris, and New York. What? It's got an amazing soundtrack. Like, I, I have the soundtrack loaded up on my desktop really? anytime. And it's got jokes. That's the best part about it. It's what? a genuinely funny movie. And I'll give you two other pieces of information, and I'm going to... You're going to be happy to hear one, and you're yeah. going to hate to hear the other. Sure. Spalding Gray is in it. What the hell? Wow. He what? does not have a speaking Shut role. The he's, door. Ju- he's just at a party, but Spalding Gray is in this movie, and it's the first feature. It's the first uh, feature-length porno that features uh, pegging. So oh, okay. <laughs> file that one away from Mallory Ortberg, whose fascination oh. with pegging just was insane. Wow. Wow. Uh, anyway, Gray so, is in it. Wow, there are scenes. There, there's two <laughs> scenes that take place on an airplane, and uh, they're almost all jokes. It's this all, is like this is like when you tell somebody like, uh, no, no, Jeff Goldblum's in Annie Hall. What? Where? <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, so uh, the the joke that Mark Magolis does is the airplane is is like entirely a, like a, a high class brothel basically, and at one point one of the stewardesses comes up with his check. And says something like, all right, so that was two blowjobs and one brandy. And he says, in that very refined voice of his, he says, uh, actually, I only had one blowjob and I never received my brandy. <laughs> never received it. <laughs> never received. I just, That's a good joke. It's that's a fantastic a good joke. joke. I never received my brandy. Oh, my gosh. That's a good joke. Oh. He's bothered by it. That's a wonderful joke. 
I just like that that's the oh, order, goodness. too. It's like, oh, I only got the one blowjob, but more importantly, yes. I did get my brandy. That's, so that's, that's a good joke. Yes. Every time I see I him, I think of that scene, Mark okay. Margolis, porn actor. There you go. Oh, my gosh, that's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very... I'm impressed by that. <laughs> there's a there's there's such a shaggy dog joke in it too that oh, I, yeah. I might see if I can find clean clips and put them up on the All Tumblr. Right. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> what was the name of that again, John? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> it's called <laughs> the opening of of Misty Beethoven. Jesus and I Christ! Actually... The title alone. <laughs> my God! It's it's Pygmalion. It's my fair lady. <laughs> That's oh, the other sure. thing. Yeah. It's the My Fair Lady of, of face fucking, basically. Okay, sure. That's delightfully sure, foul. <laughs> I'm crying a little. Oh, my goodness uh, gracious. Are we wrapping up, RJ? Are we running yeah, out of Yeah, pretty, pretty soon. I'm going through my notes, like other things I want to bring up. Um, oh, yeah, I have, they, a, they, they, I have one note here. It says, like, if you show guys tiling a bathroom in the third act, <laughs> you know, you know someone's going to be dead in there. Later on, che- I guess. Yeah. It's Chekhov, Chekhov's underpaid day laborers. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I've got here. Uh, uh, who's the man in the raincoat? We brought that up. That's a wonderful quote. The mm. lady's just freaked out. And also, it's like naked picture taken, and there's some guy in a raincoat, so that's, I thought that was a wonderful yeah. That was actually a good job. Yeah, that's a that's the caution, murder may be hazardous to your health thing when he walked into the porno shop. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm getting connections connections. Yeah, that lazy director did the same thing, yeah. Um, <laughs> these girls have their health. I thought that was a good line of Columbo's. Just looking at the photos, being kind of polite about it. And I thought that's a great... F- phrase like oh, these girls they, they have their health um what else the pointless reenactment reenactment um i mean I've, I've covered most of the stuff i've got i've got the line say boo stupid twist but it, we've talked about that because it was just a dumb yeah i don't know i mean i don't have a lot else to say about it speeding colombo colombo driving that car faster than he's ever driven it before Trying to get some place. Columbo, actually, I liked um After it was revealed that he was fooled and tricked with all the, uh, the camera trucks there, uh, Ian began offering him the uh, glass of champagne he just dumps at his feet. I liked that. Nice. That was a nice move. And then someone asked him, how's it going, Lieutenant? He's like, eh, it's like a lousy day or something like that. Which, I don't know. I like, I like that Columbo seemed actually kind of pissed off and annoyed that he had been made a fool of. But Petulant I didn't. I didn't like that. I didn't like that he was made a fool of. I guess that's a problem. But I don't know if that's me as a fan. I should just get over that for the story, or if that is actually kind of a, a bit of a betrayal of the character and the structure of the show in general. I don't know. Because I don't like it when people get all like, "That's my character." Oh, I like that. Oh, you can't do that thing, sort of thing. Oh, it's terrible. There should be some freedom. There should, should be some expansion there. But this, it just felt like uh, kind of beyond that. And I was not a fan of it. I don't know. That's a, you know, that's something I just realized they do on, on the animated series Archer and on Bojack Horseman, which is those, those lead characters have very narrowly defined kinds of behavior. Yeah. You know, very solipsistic and selfish and such. But between seasons, they will, and I, I think actually Rusty, Dr. Venture on the Venture Brothers does this too, where... They will, between seasons, let them go off the reservation. Right. 
And you see how, without their support structure, how bad and how low they can get. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. And it's neat to see Columbo do something like that, because he gets petulant. That's the, my oh, favorite Oh, no, that's part. the thing. That was, that was, it was interesting, but it just, I didn't, I felt uncomfortable seeing him like that, because someone sure. had made him look like an idiot by exploiting. And also, I guess they got lucky in a way that he was assigned to this case, because otherwise, mm. there's, there's no way they could have known that. Yeah. This guy would get assigned to this case to be this dogged <clears throat> about it, to provide this much publicity for them, to make it even more valuable. Which I don't know if that's a luck thing or it's a lazy writing thing. I don't know what that is. But it, it seemed that was kind of a weird gap in there to me, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I had a. I, we, I forgot to mention that this made RJ laugh earlier, but uh, I have one note here in reference to Sir Harry, which is just, oh man, look at Bland Fraser, old, <laughs> old Bland English Fraser. Yep. Uh, yeah. There was a. There's a what I called a forensic slap base, which is when they're examining the body, they had this like Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids music. I, mean, like, I didn't notice that. Really. Kate, was, Kate that. said it, it sounded more like Seinfeld, which was a lot funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh, God, I didn't, I didn't get that. Uh, yeah, so I might go back and watch that again. Oh, Just definitely. to hear the soundtrack. Yes. Uh, oh, the, uh, in the, to our earlier reference of Ransom for a Dead Man, they counted on the 22's low impact again on this yes. episode. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Really is kind of loop around. Yeah. And then I have a, I have a fun one for you, I think, to make up for the, the porno. Um, oh, John, so, you never have to make up for porno. <laughs> Porno's the, uh, the, fine. The actress playing pissed off 8th century genie uh, Tina <laughs> is Rebecca Stab. Yeah. And Rebecca Stab played the role of Sue Storm, a.k.a. the Invisible Woman in yes. Roger Corman. one? Yes. In the Roger Corman, Corman, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. I didn't even which know, means, realize that. Good which God. means this is wow. debris. From Arrested Development Season 4, this is Maria Bamford's character. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Rebe- that's a deep she is playing Rebecca Stab. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, so now we've connected the universes. My God. Good Lord. <laughs> and you've connected I... it to Archer as well, since half that cast is on Archer. Yeah. Goodness huh. gracious. Yeah. Weird. We're getting there. Wow. Oh, that's... Man. Oh, man. I, di- I didn't realize that was her. I remember, like, um... Yeah, wait, why would you? Would you have this locked in your memory? <laughs> well, no, because I... that, that film is always sort of a weird... Like, I remember, like, seeing uh, Film Threat, that old uh, movie magazine, that Indian film magazine. Like, I think it was in college. When, when, when did that come out, that stupid... That was a 90s mag. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I mean the film, like, the... Uh, the, the the Corman Fantastic Four thing. Oh, that was like 92? Yeah, okay, because I remember seeing... Yeah, so I went in high school, and I remember seeing that... Because ma- I was reading that magazine, and I remember seeing that on the newsstand, like, but they made a Fantastic Four film? And just looking through and realizing, oh, God, this looks terrible. Even <laughs> even as, like, a high school kid, like, oh, this isn't good. This, this is not something. And they're just completely... I mean, they devoted, like, a cover story to it for yeah. whatever reason. And then it was, yeah, of course it was just done to keep the rights and whatnot. And no one was ever going to see that thing. It was going to get buried. 
but yeah, the thing is, like now you're like I, I read a lot about it over the years because I was just obsessed with it just being this terrible, cheap, awful thing that <laughs> people spent so much time working on and trying to make the best they could on fifty bucks, and then it just <laughs> went away. You know, and, the ironic yeah. thing with that is that's that's probably the only one that's really gotten Dr. Doom to look look right. Yeah, actually. You know Even what? though it looks kind of plastic, but, I mean, the actual costume it looks, looks like a Dr. Like Doom costume. Book. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. The only thing I really recall about that movie is we had it on loop at the comic shop I used to manage. Oh, really? Yeah, we had a we had a small collection of films we had put on loop. Uh, and that was, they're all bootlegs, which is the only way you could get the movie back then. Right. And I remember nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I must have seen it 400 times, and I have no memory of it whatsoever. I've never seen the entire thing. I've only seen bits and pieces here and there. I know that uh, Jay What's-His-Head is the uh, the tor- the Human Torch. He was in, like, The Boy Who Could Fly or something like that in some Disney Channel movie way, way back in the 80s, something like that. <laughs> I remember that. I remember the thing costume looking terrible, Good. and I remember <laughs> that uh, the effects for Mister Fantastic <laughs> in the scenes I've seen were terrible. I know it. I know. Alex, Alex Hyde. Yeah. Alex Hyde White. That's the guy who played him. Yes. And and yep. also that his uh, uh, the the white sideburns they did. You could. It was so obviously like just like a, a stage community theater paint. Yeah. And it just looked like that, and it was just like, oh my god. Yeah. But it was a Roger Corman thing, so would you expect otherwise? Hey, iTunes fans! <laughs> I feel like that little digression into talking about the Roger Corman Fantastic Four film. It could what be worse. Heck? We could be talking about the minutes. Roger Corman uh, Captain America. <laughs> Did he Let's do that going. one too? Was that also Corman? I thought it was. It might not. I, I know it was. Uh, wasn't it uh, canon? Might as well have been. I think your Canon <clears throat> Films did that. But oh, the, that, boy, that, oh was, that was horrible. Was that the one where George... he had the van or something like that? Or I don't know. That was in uh, the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christ. It, it did have the red skull, but he looked like he, he kind of melted or something. He looked terrible. Yeah, does he it... looked, like a, looked like a wax tomato. Given all of that, does it always seem a little bit amazing that anyone's devoting any time and money at all to make uh, – idiot comic book stories look halfway decent these days that's actually make them look credible <laughs> i still can't believe that sometimes that they're actually spending the resources and money to actually make these things look somewhat realistic because after years of reading this junk and watching the terrible adaptations then like oh they're actually uh, they're putting some dough behind it I, I still can't understand why they're doing it and it, it's still hard for me to believe sometimes i don't well, like sh- it but it's weird <laughs> I was shocked that they, when I heard they were going to do Doctor Strange, and then I saw it, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, uh, it, 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 the fact that they made it look a little weird, and you had the weird kind of trippy stuff, it's like, oh, you actually did it. Like, I don't know why they're doing it still. It's like, come on. There's no built-in fatigue for this for some reason. I don't know. I guess that I don't <laughs> get. And also the weird thing yeah. to me, too, is the fact that um, comic books, it's these insanely endless stories they have to keep renewing and, re- and the characters are the same, the same, the same. It's like, once you start making movies of these things, uh, the actors, uh, they're going to start getting older. And you're not going to be able to do that over right. and over and over again. So at some point, they're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. And that's the yeah, thing they're, rushing, like, they're that, rushing through all their Draculas versus Wolfmans right now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems to me like 
you shouldn't you shouldn't open this box in the first place because you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna get to the point where uh, Robert Downey Jr. you're gonna have to do a lot of makeup and a lot of CGI to make him yeah. look not sixty five and <laughs> still be Iron Man like uh, twenty movies in. Hey, I wanted to uh, hop back to anyway. Fantastic Four real quick and mention that there is a Columbo connection, sort of. Sure. Uh, we should uh, bring up Columbo again, I guess. <laughs> nah, you know things. what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joseph Culp, Robert Culp's son, is what? it. As? Who? As? Who? Dr. Doom. Wait, what? Oh, that's fantastic. That's his son? That's his son. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's crazy. <clears throat> Thank you. Know <laughs> On that shocker. Uh, let, let's start kind of <laughs> wrapping things up. Uh, let, let, let's just kind of like uh, final, final feelings, final notes, final uh, how you felt about the episode. Uh, Tim, let's start with you. You did actually kind of like this one. Uh, how how would you kind of estimate it in what you've seen of Columbo in your life? Well, as someone who is highly critical of the '90s Columbos, uh, I think it's one of the better episodes. It's it's not as good as say. Uh, Butterfly in Shades of Grey or uh, Agenda for Murder, but uh, I, I find it to be pretty entertaining considering um, Ian Buchanan's got the most punchable face that uh, I think ever appeared on the show. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I you know I'm I'm not going to rate it because I know John's probably got something up his sleeve, but uh, uh, it, it, it's it's one what? of the better nineties. If, if, if you if yeah, you have one offhand, please do. John will still have his moment in the sun. Please do. If you've got some sort <laughs> okay. of like a number rating, uh, go Archie, for it. This go is, nuts. This is the I... only thing I have. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> I, I'll edit this. I'll edit his out in post. Don't worry, John. Please. Uh, I, I, I give it uh, six and a half puffy shirts. All right. All right. Out of like 20. So sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> out of a closet full. Wrapped in plastic full of dead ladies. Um... Me, I had high hopes going into this, having never seen it before in my life. Given Ian Buchanan, uh, the weird little plot, uh, and then seeing David Holstead in the uh, the credits, and I was let down in virtually every single level. Um, there are a couple things I liked here and there. I thought Falk was good in it. I thought Ian Buchanan's performance was good in it, but I thought it was all sort of. Uh, wasted in a really bad story that was put together very badly. I I don't like this episode at all. I would put it up. Actually, I put it on there with uh, one of my least favorite Columbo episodes. I think this thing is just it was it was terrible. I I would never recommend this to anyone who likes Columbo in the least. All right, out of curiosity, I'd love to hear your out of ten rating. Oh Christ! Okay, hold on. <laughs> all right. Um, I would give it. <clears throat> Negative five nymphs of the month uh, feeding lobbies on the grounds of the chateau. Nice. So there we go. Negative five. Wow. Negative five nymphs of the month feeding llamas on the grounds of the chateau. John. Yes, sir. What would you rate this episode? Well, okay. So uh, a couple things we didn't mention that do factor into my, my feeling about it, which has a lot to do with the nymphs. In that I felt so incredibly bad for these women. Yeah. <laughs> that they were not given anything interesting to do. They were not shot in an interesting way. They obviously were not getting a lot of great direction because they were not. I'm, I cannot believe that they had six 
periodically almost naked women running around this show and that somehow the six they got had no charisma, no personality, no, no presence in a room, no way to convincingly act. And then on top of that, they had to get naked for these awful magazine photos. Yeah. You know, just sitting there with a (laughs) pillow in front of their boobs. So to the point where I was just like, at some point, one of them has to be sexy, don't they? And I mentioned this to Kate in full disclosure. I said, I am sitting here literally trying to objectify these women. <laughs> I am putting all of my energy into making them objects and yeah. it can't be done. Right. Uh, so that's either, you know, yay for me or boo for the show. Or maybe um, yay for the show. Oh, maybe, you know, for that matter. Well, I mean, they're trying. Yeah, I don't think so, no. The point of the show is to, yeah, yes. This episode is supposed to uh, You weren't turned on by the the one who was rubbing the iced tea against her face? God. (laughs) (laughs) I got to find that photo of of the room full of dressed women with the one that hadn't been arsed yet. uh, To put her pants (laughs) on. It's astonishing. Right. Um, it was a, she was just, they were all getting ready for the day and she just hadn't quite done it yet. No. Yeah, that's maybe, all it was. Maybe, and Columbo maybe, maybe like, oh, sorry, you're still getting ready, ladies. Yeah. Maybe it's like, it's Hef's girlfriends and one of them gets the, one of them gets a day off every week. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, lucky, if you've read lucky, the, anyway. Lucky, oh, boy. Chuck McCann wasn't coming in, yeah. Right. But, uh, so yeah, I do think this one is so bad it's, it's enjoyable. It's not so bad it's good. Yeah. And I, a second viewing of it was not as fun yep. as the first viewing. So this is something I think, again, once you've got a lot of Columbo under your belt, it's fine to come back. It's kind of fine to come to it and then have kind of an off kilter one that doesn't really work. So th- that'll be entertaining. As for the actual content, I, I didn't even really think there were any very good performances in this. The in the men's room was it? Oh, sorry, in the bathroom with the cops was that it? Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Which I, was was pretty good. You know, I, for some reason, when the guy comes out of the stall and just takes off, like that was kind of funny. That was kind of. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was kind of funny. That was, that was a good bit. But he, the, everything about him said, uh, "I am not part of this," and he just went out the door. Right, like he realized, like, <laughs> "Oh, I got to finish up because this does not sound like something I need to hear." All right. right, and I, honestly, I think yeah. anything not having to do with performances or plot for some reason was really entertaining, and maybe that's what made it, you know, so so bad. It was good. All the livestock walking through the reindeer, the outfits Tina was wearing, uh, n- none of it was relevant. <clears throat> And that kind of made it funny. <laughs> yeah. So, but with all of that said, I'm, I still in good conscience cannot give it more than four of those colored bubble walls from Spencer's gifts. Out of- <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's been no Columbo that. episode that <laughs> has had more Spencer's gifts in it. More sharper yeah. image. I think I'm sorry, guys, please. So, John, uh, were you as perplexed as I was uh, with uh, Ian Buchanan as to where all of his muscle tone went? <laughs> I don't remember him naked, so... Uh, but ever, all those shirts just looked like they were, like, five sizes too big. Well, he, he, was, he, might... he was shirtless in the pool scene, and, yeah, the, the shirts were not... Oh, that's true. He, he had that. weird posture, so yeah. it would stand, it would look like his, che- his chest was uh, concave. 
and then he, bird he, he, yeah. I don't know. It was just bizarre. You know, he has a great story yeah. though. I went and read a little bit of his bio. Oh yeah, I know. It's very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Please. Because Kate go was. Ahead. I was saying he looked. He's. I. Kate was wondering what his accent was. I said it sounds like the the English accent that Scottish actors have to do to pass. Right. And yeah, he's Scottish yep. and. It turns out like his parents both died from alcoholism when mm-hmm. he was 13. Yeah, very young. And he, he ends up having to raise his like seven siblings or some tremendous number of siblings. Works all these jobs. Goes to school in Spain, literally walking down the street one day. And a guy goes, hey, you want to be a male model? Yes, exactly. It. It's so strange. That's really good. I like I that. I want to go back to, oh. and I, th- I think they're on YouTube. Um, the follow-up show that... Um, uh, Mark Frost and David Lynch did that on the air thing where it's like, the Oh, I love that thing. show. I, I have not seen it since then, but um, Buchanan is like the lead guy in that. He's like the mm. host of this 1950s live TV show. And it's, I remember being very strange and bizarre and very broad and comedic. And it just, yeah, I, I want to go back and find that and see that show again, especially after this, uh, the Twin Peaks third season, just to see, <laughs> I thought you meant uh, this, you're going to say this Twin Peaks prequel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> she's in plastic. She's dead in plastic. And you have Tremaine right there. It's just, it's so strange. Yeah. It must have been a conscience. conscience. I don't know. I'm, Something. It, it's very odd. Well, I mean, the things I posted uh, on Twitter, that I put up on our uh, the JMT podcast Twitter, too. The, the, the way she looks in the bag is not dissimilar from... Oh yeah, it's really. Oh yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's, it's very strange. Honestly. Yeah, it's it's odd. It is hey. making me wonder how Twin Peaks would have run if Columbo instead of Cooper was. Yeah, there you go. Yes, guy. <laughs> I'm gonna go on a little something like this, <laughs> and comes then up. and then a shot rings out. Uh, bullet goes through my skull before I'm able to actually do that. And then the world is mention, the world is grateful. I yes. had two other things I forgot I wanted to mention during the show. Uh, the assorted nymphs, of course, don't have names, but they're all yep. identified in the credits by weird little next nymph of the month. And let me see if I can find some of the other ones. It's like next nymph of the month, Asian nymph. There's just like three nymph, nymph, nymph. Well, I mean, uh, uh, but the one, the main one with him doesn't have a last name. Tina, Tina does not have a last name. Rebecca nope. Stobbs character, just Tina, never Southern, has a last name. There's one called Southern Nymph, which absolutely sounds like a uh, terrible novel from the early 2000s. Or a bad car- cocktail. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, and then one guy, one guy's speaking of as the mayor, one guy has the credit factotum. Oh, sure. Sure. Which is a very obscure word for a personal assistant. I'm is absolutely that, he's a probably, he's probably, <laughs> wait, is he the guy who maybe uh, gets Columbo on the helicopter? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Or he's or he's a guy who's serving Sir Henry or Harry, whatever. I'm gonna guess the uh, guy gets Columbo that who who takes Columbo's cigar and throw no, actually Columbo, Yeah, he throws well, it. Well first of all, Columbo that's a weird thing to me. He's comfortable in the helicopter, which eh. Yeah. But then starts smoking one of his goddamn smelly cigars in the helicopter. <laughs> And then the guy takes the, the cigar away and thinks, like, oh, he's going to throw it out because it's terrible. Like, and then hands Columbo uh, much more expensive cigars. Mm-hmm. Which, that was a nice bit. It wasn't terrible. Anyway. So, this episode <laughs> was a thing. Yeah. At, at, least, at least we got over an hour of uh, conversation out of it. That's, 
more than some things. Uh, Tim, thank you for being on yes. the show, and thank you for thank talking you for about this me. thing and watching it. Thank you, thank you for watching this, for crying out loud. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if folks want to listen to what you're doing online, see what you're doing, where should they go? Plug away. Well, uh, if you're into any uh, nerd culture, that's pretty much what we specialize in. We usually review um, uh, several new releases, and then we do a retro film usually something from the 80s um we try and keep it light and fun uh we're right now we're on soundcloud and we're going to be on uh, stitcher and itunes i believe next week oh good and um then you can hear me do my ruth gordon abigail mitchell impression on there so <laughs> oh wonderful <laughs> and, and, and like, what, what's the address people should go to for that oh well uh Oh geez, it's uh, it's on SoundCloud. Uh, I you know if I if I was intelligent enough, I would have had that already uh, brought up. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, SoundCloud.com/slash Tim S Turner. Okay. Uh, it's a bit the Bitter Bastard Nerdcast. Uh, do you have a Twitter for it or anything like that too? Do you have a Twitter people uh, to follow? Too we do. We do. We have it on Twitter under the Bitter Bastard, and we have a Facebook oh. page as well. And uh, usually we have. Uh, you know, uh, new releases on Blu-ray uh, posted there that we find interesting. Uh, the current show we've discussed: Wonder Woman, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, House by the Cemetery, and Awakening the Zodiac. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and John, I mean, yes, this, will, this will be going up uh, early October, so I'm guessing you have something spooky to tell people about for that. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, 2017 edition of Boo Halloween Stories will be available on Comixology.com. You can look for, well, Boo Halloween Stories, because that's now the company's name. Nice. And uh, we got 14 stories this year. Wow. Which is one over the 13, and I don't have a justification for it, so we're just going to run with it. That's fine. That's fine. And, uh, yeah, it's excellent this year. It's I, I went back and I reread everything a little while ago, and I'm I'm really impressed with how people have made this work. There's some excellent stuff in it, but this year has some genuinely some good goosebumpy ones and some incredibly funny ones. So I'm really looking forward. And the cover this year is going to be amazing. Nice. And see all of it. Good. And, and so comicsology.com and you look for Boo Halloween Stories. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, what's it sell? Like? Usually it's been a rather uh, reasonable price over the last couple of It'll years. It'll be a buck ninety nine for nice. what appears... Appears to be it might be ninety six pages this year. Come on. So keep in nice. mind that the the big companies charge you five bucks for twenty eight pages. Yeah, exactly. Come on, so, it's ridiculous. So that that's buck ninety nine for a lot of scares and a lot of fun. They should do that. So do a lot that of scares please. and a, a lot, lot of fun. fun. Exactly. Thank you, RJ. Yes. <laughs> you can use that. Use that. All right. A buck ninety nine for a lot of scares, a lot of fun. I'll, I'll whip up an ad for you for that. Sure. Why not? All right. <laughs> Uh, well that's the show for this time around uh, if you want to follow us and uh, look at other episodes of the show uh, we're at jmtpodcast.com plus look for uh, Just One More Thing on iTunes, Stitcher uh, the Google Podcast app they've got, everything else uh, if you would feel uh, so motivated you could leave us a uh, review uh, whether it's about how we diverge all the time or not <laughs> sure, do it <laughs> Quantity, Stop. not quality. That's what we're into. Please Stop do. Stop listening, Oswald. Never listen because, again. 
because as people who get angry about those things, they still leave us three out of five stars. It's like, all right, sure, do that, man. <laughs> it's up to you. I'm glad. I it's am up, glad. It's your stars. Uh, Whatever. It's your stars. Go nuts, pal. Wanna, Have fun. Go ahead. <laughs> you only get so many stars in this life. If you want to use them, uh, three or five of them on a thing you don't like, God bless you. Beautiful. Have fun. Please, I'd give it one for crying out loud. But if you get three, sure, we'll take it. We'll take those three stars of yours, pal. Less Columbo, more hot dog reviews. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if you'll follow us on Twitter, we're always, uh, we, all, we like seeing what people post on there. Uh, we like uh, seeing things on the internet people find about uh, Columbo. Photos, comments, whatnot. You can reach us on there. We uh, respond pretty quickly. We're a JMT podcast there. On Tumblr, uh, John posts a lot of great screen grabs, his further thoughts on episodes, plus whatever sort of ephemera uh, he finds out and about. That's jamtpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, if you want to write to us, ask us questions, make comments, whatever, maybe we'll read them on the fake internet radio air. That's Columbo at thecitydesk.net. That's the whole deal. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Oh, listen, just one more thing. See that streamer? We're just in time. We have stumbled into a major crime. They got the girl off right. Now that's not nice. I think she is the subject of a sacrifice. Buddy, we're putting this party on ice. But don't you know we really ought to read them their rights? Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got two calls and you better make them all the double. This is the city of crime. Don't step in line. This is the city of crime. You It is our job to bust you all for being violent. While we are here, let's state it clear. You have the right to remain silent. Well, excuse me, comma, Mr. Crabstopper, what is wrong with what you're doing? We just like to dance in our gold skin pants around this ancient ruin. Now, it's not so funny that it costs big money if you ever have to hire a lawyer. It's my duty to inform you and my pleasure to warn you. We'll provide one. Fuck!